0: This
1: podcast is part of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. To learn more, visit listenfrederick.com.
2: Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at The Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, So you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast.
1: Welcome back to our podcast. This is Adina Mignona, and I'd like to introduce our amazing crew and co-hosts of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast.
3: Hi, this is Steve Merkin retired individual and proud member of the big sci-fi podcast team
0: and i'm christian fox uh host of the yelling about star trek podcast and also very excited to be a member of this fantastic team my name is
4: brian donnie i'm a pastor and church planner musician songwriter all that stuff and this is a fabulous team to be a part of i know we're tooting each other's horns tonight but It's really great. And we're so excited for this episode.
1: It is. And I'm Adina Mignona, science fiction writer, engineer, and longtime sci-fi geek who spent a lot of quality time with friends in college watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, also known as MST3K. MST3K was a show originally on Comedy Central, and later on it was on the Sci-Fi Channel. And the premise, for those of you who might not have heard it until before now, it was all about making fun of, of B-movies. It's considered comic science fiction, so there's no surprise that I'm a fan, as are a lot <laughs> of us. Um, although the movies they mocked included not only science fiction, but Kung Fu movies, horror. Um. A little known fact is I actually do love a really, really good hard-boiled Kung Fu movie. Those are oh, some of my favorites. Interesting. Yep. And most of the episodes included mocking various shorts before the actual movie, and the, the shorts could have been anything, um, soap opera shorts, educational films, a lot of old shorts. And I'll be honest, I did a lot of prep for this episode by watching as much as I could stomach on the old shorts, thinking, oh my God, this is what like kids in school used to actually have to watch. <laughs> It's kind of amazing, <laughs> but you know, today we're going to focus on one particular film. It was a horror film and it has the distinction of being one of the, the worst, if not the worst films ever made, which means conversely, it is one of the best MST3K episodes ever. <laughs> that film is Manos, the Hands of Fate originally created in 1966, but picked up for MST 3K in 1993 at the end of season four. And our guest this evening, today, is Jackie Naiman-Jones, who played Debbie, the little girl in the movie. And according to her blog, she is the only surviving cast or crew willing to talk about it.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so welcome, Jackie. Uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you.
5: It's great to be here. Um, you know, you said horror movie, but I, I prefer to describe it as a horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, and and it's, you know, I get people um, trying to uh, disagree with me all the time. It's not the worst movie. Well, I know that. In fact, <laughs> I was in a movie that was worse than Manos in high school. I was an Extra... In the curse of Bigfoot. So if you've ever seen that, <laughs> the track did it? It's way worse. And uh, yeah, my whole family was involved in Monos. My my dad was a community theater actor, and and Hal Warren, who created Monos, was in a play with my dad, and John Reynolds, who played Torgo, was in the play. And the mm. you know, it's like all the males in Manos hands a play they were part of this play, Henry the Fourth, which my dad played the lead. And I remembered to bring this today. So my dad, even though it was a terrible movie, it's actually even taught in film schools It's wow. everything not to do in filmmaking. <laughs>
0: <That's amazing. laughs>
5: and so, you know, I'm not the only one that recognizes it's really bad, but, um, My dad did a lot of theater, and he always played the lead. I mean, he was R.P. McMurphy in One, Two of the Cuckoo's Nest. He was um, King Arthur in Camelot, Don Quixote and Man of La Mancha. I mean, he did all these big roles. Well, for the play Henry IV, he played Henry IV. And uh, he actually won Best Actor of the Year Award in 1966. The same year Manos was made, so you know, it's not just about the individuals
1: of any film, it takes a whole team to make a movie like that. Yeah, well, being used that's interesting that you said that it's used in film schools as you know, an example of what not to do. That's actually very interesting, and in itself, is a very meaningful uh, use of the movie because you know, in any I think career, any just domain, knowing what not to do is a very important thing, so that's. I think that's a, that's really neat.
5: <laughs> yeah, well, and the other thing that makes Mono so bad is that um, by the time Mystery Science Theater found it, it was a copy of the copy of the copy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I looked for it once I got into high school, and this is pre-internet, but I started looking for it and I'd finally given up. It took 27 years for them to find it. And then... I found out later that it had played some West Texas drive-ins and had gone some places. But um, so it's like watching it through a dirty screen door. And then in uh, 2015, this young uh, film student, filmmaker, uh, Ben Solovey, actually found the original work print that had gone through the camera in 1966. I mean, by accident. He was a film buff. He was into restoration of old films. And he saw these on, um, on eBay. And he saw a couple of titles that he wanted. And the guy was in San Diego and I think Ben was in Tennessee at that time. But but he said he wanted these titles. And the guy said, nah, you got to take the whole box. So he got it. And when he went through it, he found those 16 millimeter work prints. And it wasn't even titled "Mono's The Hands of Fate." It was the previous title, which was "Fingers of Fate." Oh, uh, and he actually recognized what he had, and uh, then he did a Kickstarter. He raised forty-eight thousand dollars to restore it.
4: I'll be wow!
5: Did it frame by frame by frame? Wow. There was like yellowed, um, you know, tape for the editing I mean it was like a 10 hour editing session (laughs) they did the whole Mm. film you know and um, and it was just filthy and so then when he showed it in the I got to go to El Paso the very first premiere public premiere of the rest restored version Mm. was in El Paso Texas where the film was made and Mm. it was a closet theater which was across the street from the original theater where it had played, which no longer existed. That theater didn't exist in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Wow, packed audience. And then if you move forward in December, I was a special guest for the Mads Are Back online show because they decided to show Manos for their Christmas special. (laughs) And they... (laughs) I mean, you know, her movie.
0: That's amazing.
5: (laughs) Such a family film. And um, so they invited me to be their guest, and it was amazing. It was, um, I've met Frank and Trey several times in person. And in fact, Frank has often apologized for being the person to discover Monos to begin with. And, um, (laughs) you know, we'll get to this, but I wrote a book about it, and Mm. Joel wrote the. Prologue to my book, and I've met him. But for the December show, they showed the restoration of Mono's. So they riffed the clean version, and it was so funny. During that, at one point, Trey said, "Well, now I feel bad for making fun of it." <laughs> I mean, movie—it's not better. You can, but you can see the mistakes so much clearer mm-hmm. and then. Can see the things like when the crew was getting frustrated with Hal and started testing his powers of observation. And there's a there's a scene with my dad in the house holding his arms out, the master and curiously, and and you can see the beer bottle behind him. (laughs) (laughs) Or when he when he catches Torgo's hand on fire and Torgo runs off into the desert. You can
1: see the kind of lighter
5: fluid. Mm.
1: <laughs> so there That's are a couple great. of things you you mentioned there. Um, you know, so well one, you wrote an autobiography about mm-hmm. about your experiences, and I did read uh, I did read Joel's uh, introduction, and then I read the little uh, the first bit uh, from yours, and it was there's several interesting things there. One, you were describing the whole concept of you know, so before you it happened. Um, before 1993 you had just been looking to see if you could find it because to you this was a a, just a one of your childhood family memories that you just wanted a copy of yeah it was the best summer of my life hanging out with my dad Mm -hmm. that yeah that's neat and then to find out that you're so your dad was a a fan of mst3k before this and he just happened to stumble upon (laughs) it.
5: that is an amazing story
1: Yeah.
3: Hey, hey, and he, hey, look, look. That's me on TV. Oh my God, I can't believe it.
5: Yeah, he said he he was um, you know, I think it was a Sunday, Saturday Sunday. It was on Comedy Central, and he was watching MST and and uh, he was just kind of napping in his easy chair. He was living on the coast of Oregon, Lincoln City, and I was in Northern California with my husband, my young son, my first son, and. And my dad calls me up. He'd been watching Mystery Science here, kind of dozing off. And then he heard some familiar music.
4: <laughs>
5: and he opened his eyes and saw himself. And he was just in a horrid fascination.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so weird. It's got to be such a, a surreal
5: experience. <laughs> After 27 years, you know? Yeah. yeah. So he, he watched it. And as soon as it was, as, as it was over, he called. And he said, "You'll never believe what I just saw." So I knew it was on Comedy Central. I immediately turned on the television because I remember they had an 800 number at the corner of the screen, and I was shaking. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but it was the only lead I had yeah. in mm-hmm. my life, you know. So I called the number, and if you can believe this, an actual human answered the phone. One eight hundred whatever. And and, and, a, and the, it was this guy, he said his name was Matthew, and he just happened to be in the offices that day. He said he was in the HBO offices in downtown Manhattan, and he just happened to pick up the phone. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the first miracles. Right. And then he says, uh, oh, well, that's a second miracle, because Frank almost passed on it. He thought, I can't, we can't <laughs> do this you can't rip this movie, you know, that's what he was thinking. But so, so Matthew says, or I say, you just show this film that I've been looking for my whole life. My entire family's in it, you know, mm. dog. And, and uh, is there any way I can get a copy? And he says, well, what was it? What's the title? And I told him, and then there's this long pause and I'm standing there. I was shaking. I thought, yeah. I well, I thought we'd been disconnected or worse, that he'd hung up on me, and I didn't know if I had the courage to call again. Right. And uh, there's, so there's this long pause, and suddenly he goes, oh, my God. Are you Debbie? <laughs> <laughs> That's <I'm> incredible. <laughs> That's right. I was stunned. I'm looking at my phone. What? And he said, you know, that's our favorite bad movie here in the HBO offices. And I just had it on my desk last week. And uh, yeah, I'd love to. I still have it. It's a VHS uh, copy that he just went and printed off for me. Made a copy. <laughs> wow. And then, and then when I got it in the mail, I, um, I just took it into the bedroom and I watched it by myself. And I was just happy. I felt like I got what I'd been looking for,
3: and I. Oh wow. Jackie. It, you know, but Jackie did. Did they send you the HB the the original copy untouched, or did they send you the MST version? The MST version. Okay. So you're able. to. Oh, great, great. Oh yeah.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> did it Did it jive with your memory? You know, because after not, you know, because when we're kids, right? It, And time passes, our memories get a little distorted. So did what you watched, did you remember it accurately? Yeah, and all the
5: background stuff. And, you know, I I remembered all the behind the scenes, you know. um, Yeah, I'm really glad I wrote my book when I did because I held on to those memories so tightly. I mean, my dad was a very troubled man. Mm. He's very artistic. And I absolutely adored him. I I have all of his original art, other art, but I remember him making the Torgo staff. I remember him painting the Master and Dog painting. Mm -hmm. Uh, He used to take me with him out in the desert on desert scavenging trips where we'd go to find old abandoned silver mines and quarry for turquoise that he'd make into jewelry, silver Mm -hmm. And turquoise jewelry. I mean he worked in all mediums and uh, but he was very dark and troubled and suicidal. Mm. So growing up I uh, was just so attached and that those were the best memories of my childhood was that wow. summer being the only kid on the set and it, I mean it was filmed like in eight days, nights and weekends. And my dad was my ride, so if I was in any of the scenes, I was there Mm -hmm. the whole time. You know, I was taking a nap in the back seat of the car. Mm -hmm. You know, but other than that, I was pretty much an unsupervised six-year-old in the (laughs) in the desert at night, which was great because that's the kind of kid I was.
4: Right. (laughs) Well,
2: so
5: I I, I hung on to those memories. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah
4: that that is super special. Thanks for sharing that Jackie. That I, and can I say this too cuz I I've actually watched I watched the original version that's on YouTube without the uh-huh. MSTK 3K whatever. Um and then I watched it with Mystery Science Theater. Um which are two totally different experiences mm-hmm. of course, but um, I do have to say, it's very interesting that you say your dad won all those awards and was, and sounds like a pretty accomplished, serious actor. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in the film, one of the things that stood out to me today as I watched it, I you can see those acting chops in your dad. You can see that he could act very seriously. Um, yeah. You know, whatever cheesiness might be associated with the film overall, you could tell... He could act
5: yeah and, and, and but he was a theater actor and yeah. he was a method actor, and so was John Reynolds John Reynolds oh, okay. was very serious in fact, you know he didn't often break character even really mm-hmm. he did with me I mean he and he was a very shy kind of introverted person, otherwise so acting was his you know his outlet but but I remember he he hung out with me probably more than anybody on set in between mm. times because I was easy to entertain, you know.
3: <laughs> so was that your dog they used in the film? The Doberman. Oh, the Doberman. Okay, so Fifi, yeah. the uh, the oh, poodle Pepe. was somebody else's.
5: That was uh, Hal Warren's dog who created this.
3: Okay, I know. Yeah, no. Peppy
5: was kind of Pepe. a wiggly.
3: Thank you, Pepe,
5: yeah. yeah. Yeah, he didn't bite me, but he didn't. He was like, wasn't sure of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was the a little Doberman, squirmy.
5: <laughs> you know, you can watch the Doberman, and it, it's just obvious that it, there's nothing vicious about that guy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that painting, though, of the master and the dog, though, that is that is quite a painting, and and they really show it well towards the at the end of the film. Of course, um, your yeah. your dad painted that. Yeah. Wow.
5: Yeah. In fact, uh, I have a what was the Monos the Hands of Fate fan page, but now it's the Jackie Neiman Jones fan page, and we're doing a Monos Monday where we're showing things. And I just took photographs of all the other art that I have of my dad's his original works, and uh, we'll be posting that. This coming Monday.
1: I mean, we'll have I'm going to check
5: gonna it post, out. post them all. Because, I mean, his work was huge. That painting, I think, was like four by five foot. Oh, Most hey, of his wow. work was very large. Yeah, and then he did um sculpture. Is it? Hmm. I know it's in here. I just saw it today. But his sculpture, the clay and the iron, was the main subject matter was hands. He did hands just expressive. His, his sculptures just had a whole story in them. Wow. And um, so that's how the film got titled Manos, the Hands of Fate. Okay. <laughs> uh, since my dad was doing all the sets, all the props, and his wife was making all the costumes and, mm. and everybody's doing all this without getting paid for it. You know, my dad, wow. most of the artwork, that's in the film was my dad's already existing work. Other than, of course, the
1: monos, the master and doctor. So how did your family get involved to, be, like, to begin with? Did they, were they friends with Hal or? Yeah, uh, Hal was involved with the theater too. Mm-hmm. The Festival
5: Theater in El Paso Community Theater, which is actually now called the El Paso Playhouse in the same building. It it started, I think, in uh, 1963, and so it's been a continuously running and uh, a high-quality theater, but Hal Warren and uh, they were just all part of the theater, so they knew each other that way, but in real life at that time, their day jobs, my dad was executive director of the South El Paso Boys Club. And Hal was selling fertilizer, I believe. <laughs> he was a <laughs> salesman. Yes. All
3: right, let's not do a transition from what he did to what he made, okay? <laughs>
5: but he sold cars. I mean, he was a salesman. He could make. He could do it, make a pitch, and mm. he did. He raised nineteen thousand dollars. He knew he wasn't making a great film, but his uh, long-term goal was to be the guy that brought the film industry to the Southwest, to El Paso, Mm -hmm. you know? He wanted to show people how, um, what a great place it was to make films. I mean, with uh, continuous, pretty good weather and the open skies and
1: landscape and all,
5: so. It'd
1: be interesting to see what someone like that could do with like Kickstarter today. Okay, I have, exactly. Gosh, I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask um, if you know how the story came about at all.
5: Yeah. how uh, Warren had a walk on roll in uh, Route 66 because he'd done some bit parts. And Sterling Silliphant, who wrote In the Heat of the Night, is a big time uh, screenwriter. Hal had uh, met with him, you know, like I say, he's a salesman. So he wanted to talk to this guy. So they had coffee in a coffee house. And and, um, Hal's daughter substantiates the story as well. But apparently Hal was talking to Sterling and said, um, you know, anybody can make a movie. Even I I can make a movie. And then he wrote down his idea. He had an idea. Uh, already working. And he wrote down his idea on a napkin in the coffee house. And that's how the whole thing kind of took off. But even after monos how it already had another screenplay, I haven't seen it. I don't know if it exists anywhere in the world, but it's called a uh, wild desert vipers And he tried to raise money, but after the failure of Manos, and I'll tell you, the premiere was pretty embarrassing for everybody. <laughs> and uh, so Hal wasn't able to raise money for his next, his, his wild desert bikers, who knows, you know. Mm-hmm. Nobody uh, could Jackie,
3: have... uh, is there, and this is gonna be the holy grail of things, is there a script remaining from the original film? Um. all long gone
5: I'm trying to think I, you know right now I'm going through piles of family boxes and I'm sorting things and I'm finding so much stuff I'm finding all these um, uh, photographs for uh, promotion from all these plays he's been in you know wow. I mean mm-hmm. wow I I found I just recently found a stack of his scripts with his lines all highlighted, like "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest" and "Our Town" and mm. you know Ooh, all yeah. these amazing plays. And uh, so, who knows? Um, I may very well find it.
3: That would be amazing because, I because be... I, You you have to believe that when you know when when he when he wrote the script when when uh, Harold wrote the script. I mean, he he really must have thought this, you know, he was making, you know, much like the infamous film, The Rooms. He thought he was making a really good movie. And he wanted it to be good. And it it just became what it became, I guess.
5: Well, and that's one of the things I think that makes it so loved and so relatable is because these people had no experience doing film. You know, they they were using a rented camera that was uh, shot thirty-two. It was a wind-up camera, shot thirty-two second shots and silent. So the whole thing had to be dubbed as well. Oh,
0: that makes we answered sense.
3: answered another okay. question. Thank yeah, you.
5: and uh, you know synchronization between sound and and uh, plus. They're out in the desert. They don't have the lights. I mean, some shots were were lit with the headlights from cars. There was all <laughs> kinds of stuff, you wow. know. I mean, that was true indie film. Yeah. And uh, the camera, like I said, it was rented. It was called a filmo seventy, which was actually used to do uh, the war footage of Korea and Vietnam.
0: Oh wow. Okay. So my question. I've got a question then. If it was that hard to shoot things. Did you ever find out the rationale behind cutting back to the couple that was getting, um, Oh yeah. Couple? <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah. There's several reasons for that. So Joyce Mollier, who is the female side of that. And Bernie Rosenblum was the male side. Bernie was one of the two crew members. He was the assistant ph- photographer, you know, and, and he was the stunt man, so when when uh, Mike gets hit on the back of the head and rolls down the hill, that's Bernie. Oh, and okay. um, and he had the opportunity to show off his 1963 Triumph Spitfire, which mm-hmm. he was. But the other thing was <laughs> Joyce had during the during one of the re- few rehearsals they were doing the wife wife wrestling scene and. It's speculated that somebody tripped her on purpose or maybe it was oh. an accident, but mm-hmm. she broke her ankle. Wow. And then could yes. did not play one of the wives. And to so, so to placate her, Hal created these other scenes. But the other reason for it was um, not just to placate her, but he really needed to fill it out to make it feature length I mean, you can tell that by the eight-minute opening driving scene.
3: <laughs> right. Yes. Well, I, I would tell you the mystery science theater boys had a lot of fun with that. Oh, oh dear, look at that! Yep. Oh, that's Wisconsin. Oh dear! Oh, yeah. look at that yeah. over there.
4: Manos you know, the hands of fate, over and <laughs> yes, over those. again. Menos. And the thoughts <laughs> on
0: leadership were hilarious. And another
4: whole... m- another one of my favorite lines is 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 in that car scene when they're making out in, in one of the guys says, "Oh, I'm sure glad I got the I got the roll the roll cage on this car, and it's just a little <laughs> tiny thing yeah. in the back, you That's know, a, just a right? loop. Yes, <laughs> <bar>. not going
5: <laughs> to save anybody. Plus, nobody was wearing seatbelts back then, anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you
3: know? that was the funny thing watching that. Having been, you know, I'm 65, so I grew up during the era where uh, no car seats, no seatbelts. You lived on your, mm. you, you know, you, you lived on the edge uh, in the backseat of a car, you know." <laughs>
5: Yeah, mom had the kid on her lap in the front uh-huh. seat, yep. and that's how I grew
3: up. Absolutely, mm. yep. I, I was also, in the, the transition. Sorry, ahead, like I,
1: I have memories of no seatbelts, and then I have memories of okay, no, there's a law; you have to wear a seatbelt. And trying to, you know, at, at like age five or six, then having to be strapped in—it was miserable
5: <laughs> for everybody. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, yeah, the kids,
5: like- kids were for two
3: years. You know. <laughs> His were expendable in the 1960s. They, they were making yeah, boxes. Yeah. It was no big deal. The other thing I noticed about the uh, the actors, the two actors in the uh, sports car and the Little Triumph, both had wedding rings on, if I'm not mistaken.
5: <laughs> I don't remember that
3: he did,
5: but yeah. I, do remember, yeah, I do remember Bernie did.
3: Yeah, I, so I was like, I'm going, well, that's interesting. Okay, I mean, it's a little, a little yeah. notice like, Okay, was that supposed to mean anything or not? Who knows? But anyway, it was kind of cute.
5: Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if any of the girls were married. They all came from the local modeling school, Mannequin Manor. Oh. Oh. And so, so, you know, if they looked like they were posing all the time, they were. That's all they knew what to do. You know, that was their <laughs> training. And it's funny because my mother sent me to the same modeling school for... um Oh, finishing school, which is mm-hmm. what they did with young women in the early 70s, late sixties. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to, you know, be a proper young woman. But I went to the same
1: place that all those women came from. I'll be so when you were young, did you did you believe you were gonna be an actress when you grew up? An artist? What did what did you think you were gonna do after these? I was always
5: interested in art. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I loved the theater because any chance I got, I would go with my dad. So um, after Monos, I think it was 1968, he actually was hired as executive director of the theater. Mm-hmm. So it was his job. And I went every chance I got. I knew every inch of that place, you know, the light booth, food. I just... I loved it. And mm. so when I went into high school, I got into drama and was very fortunate to have an amazing drama teacher, Tim Tackett. He actually was a uh, fifth degree black belt at that time. And he started every class with Tai Chi. Okay. And for a troubled young woman like myself, it was just one of yeah. the, it was <laughs> one of the more grounding things when I, I, um you know that man was amazing also he had trained with bruce lee you know wow
0: that's amazing he's
5: he's still (laughs) around uh, friends on facebook oh
4: fantastic (laughs) that's incredible i I, I love stories like that jackie where it's i'm amazed by how people influence other people and Mm -hmm. how how people of influence in our lives tend to catch us at just the right time when we need something a little extra or special or we need just someone to believe in us or sew something yeah. into us mm-hmm. so it's sure. i just love stories like that hearing hearing you say this this uh a, a acting coach who did tai chi really helped ground you and helped helped you you know be more secure with yourself in that that's that's yeah. fantastic
5: mm-hmm. He really did. And then uh, following in my my dad's footsteps and my mom's, I mean, she was a teacher, but she pretty much made all my clothes when I was a kid. She made my little Debbie's dress. She made the oh, wives' yeah. dresses. I still remember my parents laying that black fabric and the red out on the mm. living room floor and designing that master's robe. And uh, on my Etsy site, I... See, my dad didn't get the painting or the robe back. Hal took those home with him.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And I uh, don't know what happened to the Torgo staff, but apparently Hal put that on his living room wall where it lived. <laughs> so in his living room, he had the master a dog painting, and and he wore the master's robe every Halloween. And I think his son, Joe, still wears that robe. It still exists. I've seen it. Wow. But I decided a couple years ago to uh, recreate them. I have people asking about them. So I tell people I make them just the way my mom made the original. Cause she taught me how to sew. And I'm mm. a pretty good seamstress. And so they're signed and numbered. And uh, oh, cool! tomorrow I'll be finishing number 39 and shipping it off. But I make them custom sized. So I made one for a guy in England once who's six foot eight. Oh Big wow. Fabric. And then I made one for a woman in Georgia who's 4 foot 11. So
3: <laughs> That's my sister. So, She's
0: 4 foot 11. Perfect. There you go. Does that mean we need 4 of them? Is that what we're thinking? <laughs> <point>? <laughs>
5: mm. Oh, and I'm, then I, I also recreated my dad's master and dog painting. I've done it several times. Really? It, it, it's cool. I did one copy for Mono's Returns, the film that I produced and starred in. Debbie, six, 50 mm-hmm. years later, and uh, and then I made another copy that I sell prints of on my Etsy, and uh, and then I just started an online mystery science theater painting class. Um, Chris Gerbet, who produces the Mads Are Back show and the Mary Jo Peel show online, uh, I had been thinking about doing online painting classes because I've been doing those paint and sit parties for like seven years. One of, uh, one of my careers, I've been a self-employed artist pretty much all my life. And, uh, so this is one of my latest ventures. The last seven years I've been teaching and been thinking about online, but I'm not much of a technical type of person. And, and, uh, so anyway, after the Mads are back, it was such an amazingly successful show. They told me it was just about their best attended show of the whole year. I, I just couldn't believe how excited people were that, that they were doing monos and that I was gonna be there. I was like, really? <laughs>
1: wow. <That's> so <awesome. laughs> you, you mentioned this this MST um, 3K art class? Yes. What's all that? What's that about? That sounds yeah, that sounds right up my alley. <laughs> It's, it's once a month and it's the fourth Saturday
5: of every month. We just had our first class on Saturday. And of course, we had to start with the Master and Dog Painting. And if you, um, I haven't shared those to the fan page. Uh, so it's $99 to subscribe for a year. So you get a year's worth of monthly classes and if you can't attend live, it's recorded. You get the recording. And I also provide you with a complete list of supplies and links to where you can get everything that you need. And, um, God, in our first month, even before the class, I think we already had 30 sur- subscribers. Oh, fantastic. Or you could do just a one month class if you just want to try it out for like 20 months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody had such a great time, and and I was I was I don't usually get nervous. I love being, you know, like constantly mm-hmm. even talking to people. But I was a little nervous because I knew that that particular painting might be feel a little advanced for some people.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah,
5: kind of complicated. But everybody did a great job, and I encouraged them to put their own pet in there. So. There's oh, a lot
1: of cats. Oh, That's so cool. <laughs> that's neat. Oh, okay. You might see me there because I do do a little painting and I love paint night and I paint and I, I do just, just acrylic painting stuff. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I don't know. If, we probably never talked about this on the show, so I don't think I've ever mentioned it, but I used to want to paint your own pottery studio. <laughs> well,
3: you really? Sort of you did? No, you mentioned that before. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 well, well, <laughs> I got a little burned out from my engineering career a bunch of years ago and quit and opened up a painter and pottery studio and had that for five and a half years. And so and and then I learned how to paint. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you do it. just I mean, that's what I've always yeah, yeah. done. I I mean I've had like four different
5: businesses that I literally created from nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, just an idea. I went, and that's my biggest problem right now. I have like nine projects going <laughs> because Somebody will go, well, have you tried this? I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> <I> should... <laughs> ah! um, so, so with um but with uh, the classes, it's um uh. it's on Chris's website the mm-hmm. uh for with the Mads are back and mm-hmm. the other shows, but it's called Dumb Dash
1: Industries. I'm taking a note that. because you really might see me there because I really do love painting and it, this sounds like a really, a really fun thing. So well, also
0: okay. for beginners.
5: Yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah. take it
0: because oh, I would love to get into that. But I have not been levels. successful at painting.
5: Oh, hold on. Oh, you're okay. ST <laughs> fans. Oh, I gotta move this. I gotta... <laughs> I've been I've been cleaning my studio all day. I walked in here and went, "This is a reflection of the inside of my head."
1: And <sighs> I see what you're pulling out next month's class. Oh, oh, fantastic. oh so I for people that. who are just listening, because we 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 only do audio, yeah. you can't see it. It's Crow from from MST3K.
5: <laughs>
1: Crow the robot, then, which is one of my favorite robots. And
5: awesome. then we're gonna do polls every month. And I mean, you know, we've already got a whole bunch of ideas. Uh, to go off of, so then people can choose what we're going to do mm-hmm. next. I mean, everything mm-hmm. from Gamera to Mitchell to Godzilla. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got all kinds of ideas. So nice. <laughs> cool.
3: that is great.
5: Uh, I, yeah, I, beginners a, to dance.
3: Not, not only are you promoting and keeping the spirit alive of Manos, But you're also keeping the spirit alive of Mammoth's T3K, the original. And I I just I I think that's wonderful because it is it's such a unique part of television to have come across. There's been so many monster of the week TV shows on Saturday morning from from Larry Seymour, Vincent to Elvira and so on. But. This yeah. is very endearing. And I just think because mm-hmm. of the humor and the quality of production that they did for MST3K, uh, they even had made they a had movie robots one time. We went to <laughs> the had head robots. Theater. They had robots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, they're uh, my
5: they're my kind of people. I mean I, in high school, my best friend and I were huge Fireside theater fans. We memorized oh,
3: wow. every
5: album and we drove everybody nuts <laughs> with with doing our <laughs> Fire sign theater you know it's like we're well, all bozos. Crush
3: that dwarf hand me the pliers huh
5: <laughs> yeah yes. and yes. uh so when this came about i was like wow i mean these are my people this is my tribe you know i love misty's and the variety of really talented projects that have been inspired by this crazy film like you know, Manos, The Hands of Felt, the Puppet Theater out of Seattle. There's been four stage productions. Um, uh, Manos, Rock Opera of Fate, was in Chicago.
4: Oh, that's I'll be incredible.
5: Um, let's see. Oh, well, there's com- coloring books. Wait, there's, there's a coloring, wait, there's a coloring book? <laughs> yes. i to
0: find that. No, there's
5: two. Yeah. There's two. <laughs> By Keith McCafferty. Yeah, check out the coloring book. Okay. And then there's uh, oh, several other books. There's uh, a prequel called uh, The Rise of Torgo. There's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, like uh, I thought
5: <laughs> about that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed about that one because because I don't say no to like anything. And this guy, when he wrote that, he asked if my dad and I would just appear briefly in it and... It's really not very good. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love Torgo so much. Oh, and look at this. So I mean, great. this is the lady on Etsy. She did a uh, nesting dolls. Wow. Uh. Here's, oh, here's uh. me, little Debbie, baby <laughs>
4: nesting
5: dolls. <laughs> My whole family.
4: That's fantastic.
5: Oh. Uh, I mean, just so many amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Nintendo style, there's a couple video games, there's trading cards, there's a dice game. Oh, man. I mean, I can't even tell you. There's so many. Oh, and then I'm on a project right now. So you gotta look this up. You gotta look up the official trailer for the Debbie, I mean the Monos Chronicles. Uh we've already found a distributor, and uh our poster is going to be released soon. And I can't remember his name. The guy who designed our poster for the Monos Chronicles also did a Spider-Man poster. Mm. I mean, he's done like... So he, cool. just, mm-hmm. he just happens to be a big fan and said, sure. <laughs> That's
1: amazing.
3: And all this came out of because of the MST? Yeah. I mean, before MST, Manos was in hibernation and no one knew anything about it or even cared about it.
5: Yeah. I mean, the, the premiere night was so humiliating that when it was, as soon as it was over, everybody just escaped the theater and, you know, acted like they pulled off a big heist and nobody ever wanted to talk about it. Hmm. And then it started showing up. I understand in some West Texas drive-ins and mm-hmm. late night TV, but it was you know, it's like the third movie on horror night movie, the one where you're trying to get everybody to go home.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It's it's such a cool story. It is. The
1: whole you know, I'm I'm always fascinated by how things are made and created and the fact that your whole family was involved. All that stuff is, is amazing. And even just uh, doing some research for this, you know, learning a little bit behind the scenes of mst 3 k which I had, while I had watched it in college, I never really thought too deeply about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the homework assignments I gave the crew uh, was to, to watch some of the shorts and possibly pick a favorite. Does anyone have a favorite short they want to talk about?
0: I think the version that I saw had a short of the car dealership.
1: The hired Yeah, I think
0: so. I saw only seeing that one. It was just hysterical. (laughs) I don't know. I just, there was so much to unpack there, but but that one was a lot of fun.
1: I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole purpose of that short was to be, to train people how to hire someone or how to get
0: hired. Well, I
3: it was I think done as a Chevrolet promotion, how to hire people to be salesmen for Chevrolet, because it, it was sponsored was. by them.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. okay, okay I'll okay.
3: be darned. Mm-hmm. Well,
4: it was interesting too in that the, in you know you had you had the adult son talking to his father, and they were reminiscing and bemoaning how you know young men of that day just didn't know how to work like they did growing up, you know um and isn't so that what we say is, about
1: millennials these days is that
0: but yeah it's that, yeah, yeah. yeah we,
1: we same to, thing just different generation but same I generation.
0: remember i took a, a history class and it was basically like we talked about how every generation would say the previous generation was better and the new ones don't get how to do things properly yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that that to me
4: I, I that part of that uh short was tremendously insightful just to the time let alone how you know, how they were telling people how to get sales and all that stuff, you know, and and being funny. But it was also interesting because I think we still need that in our society, though. We still need the older generation to mentor the younger generation and teach Mm. them all the good, helpful, all the stuff that many people don't just get naturally. You know, we need taught. And so, I mean, I'm not I'm I'm a couple years too old to be a millennial uh we're gen told, x so, so smack in yeah. the middle of gen x mm-hmm. so so um but i do think i was impressed like man you know maybe this taught some men to really find some younger men to sew into and help along in life you know yeah mm-hmm. we, we have could've...
1: youtube now you know we, we've we got all the youtube anything you need to learn you can find a youtube video yeah, on it it's
0: so. amazing mm-hmm. it's crazy <laughs> yeah we, we've, got
1: pl- we've got plenty of content <laughs>
0: Yeah, I also just going to get past like cuz I know it was the time but it was just like you must teach men your men had to do this thing. And it was like, the implication was only men could be leaders. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Right. There was uh-huh. no other option. It's just like, oh, okay. Yep. Well, this is very dated.
1: That's, you know, I, that's what kept me from really watching a lot of the shorts was because of the, the very traditional gender roles. I mm-hmm. could not stomach. Um, oh, I, yeah. I really had a hard time watching a lot of it. Yep. Even to the, the point where there is one, I, I think I watched a little bit longer than others. It was um, posture pals. It was for young youngish kids on how to have good posture Mm -hmm. but the way that they talked about and johnny here he's interested in having good posture because he's going to be an athlete and jane here she wants good posture because she's going to grow up to be beautiful and it was very even that (laughs) was like too cringy it was very 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 cringy (laughs) Uh,
3: adina if you want to cringe no i don't just talked about (laughs) oh thank you um then you should watch <laughs> Body Care and Grooming.
1: Oh, I skipped that one because I knew I was not. Oh, pissed. my <laughs>
3: gosh. Body, hair, and I grooming. I didn't look that one up. How so they. There
1: is, we we yeah. could put a link. There is like a whole. there. There's a couple of YouTube lists that are like all of the. They're all of the mm. shorts all in like one mm-hmm. playlist. And I also found there is a. Again, on tour.com, they have a ranking of their, you know, uh, you know rank them from best, oh, to from best to worst. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is in their ranking, they did describe what the short was about, but also the counter narrative of the riff, what that story was about, and then pulled out some of their favorite quotes for, from them too. So it's mm-hmm. a really, really, really good mm. summary of the shorts, if anyone's interested.
0: Sorry, in you me. just mentioned Tor.com because yeah. you're the only other person that I know that has ever mentioned it because I really? love their stuff. And I like read a lot of the rewatches yeah. for like Trek and I yeah, just no. do that at lunch. And I've been doing that for like <laughs> four, three or four years now.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was just nice random, that, that I, random that I came to it you Yeah, know, I found that article with
4: them. We're mentioning uh, links and stuff and we do want to make sure too, that we have all of Jackie's links will be in our mm-hmm. podcast notes too. So all, all of our listeners will be able to access uh, all of her stuff, and we'll put as much on there as we can, Jackie, for you. Uh, so people can reach out to you and, and see what you're doing and support you yeah. and um, stay caught up too on all the cool stuff you're doing.
5: When I say on the fan page, now that we have that set up, I'm trying to funnel everything mm. there so that you and I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: smart. That's smart. But yeah. I just
5: wanted to say real quick, Steve, you mentioned Elvira, she did monos. On her show once.
4: Oh, um, oh my goodness!
5: A few years ago, we were both uh, special guests at CryptoCon Seattle, and uh, I connived a way to get over there and say hi to her and introduce myself. And I, it was just one of the most thrilling uh, celebrity meetings I've ever had because mm. once she realized who I was, she seemed she was just as excited to meet me. It was great. Oh, that's, that's neat. Awesome. So what What, what year
3: was that? What year was that, Jackie? I think that was
5: like 2018, but I understand she's a guest this year. And although I live near Portland, so I'm only like three and a half hours from Seattle. And uh, I'm going to drive up there because I'm in two of the films that are in the film festival. And Mm -hmm. I just have so many friends that I haven't seen in a while. And then I heard, I think she's a guest, so I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna make sure I get to say hi again.
3: She, so, she's remarkable. She is absolutely remarkable. And and we yes. used to watch her live here, at Quinn, because it was done locally in L.A. Her show, yeah. And it was, you know, she's really something else. And I mean, we should all look as good as she does. as as long as she's been around,
5: she's still gorgeous. I yeah. mean, wow. Cassandra Peterson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that, Mm -hmm. that
4: makes me wonder too, Jackie, are, have you been surprised um, by maybe other celebrities of note or other people uh, that have said, man, I really like Manos, the hands of fate, like, you know, get kind of get that celebrity um, excitement when they meet you or. Talk about the film. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
5: some of them, they don't maybe know about it, but once we get into a conversation, they, then there's a fan, like, uh, his name, um, Juan Garcia. He was in Breaking Bad. He was, like, okay. like the, one of the gangster guys. <laughs> and uh, we were both guests at a Southern Oregon convention not so long ago, and our tables were near, near each other, and I was like, whoa, I know who that guy is. So uh, during some quiet time, we started talking. And next thing I know, he comes over to my table and he's asking me all these questions. And I see him over there with his agent, who is also his beautiful wife. And he's laughing and he's pointing at me. (laughs) So, so, I mean, I've met met some really cool people. In fact, uh, there's a lot of, yeah, we just posted a bunch of pictures of some of the wonderful celebrities I've met. Like I told you, my dad played R.P. McMurphy in One of the Cuckoo's Nest on stage. And uh, I got a chance to meet, um, oh, dang, I just went blank on his name. He was one of the patients that so was kind of like catatonic. And mm. and he's been in uh, so, quite a number of films He's got a strange uh, disease that he doesn't grow hair or fingernails. He he's, has a
3: very tall, long face. I, yeah. mean, I, I know who the actor you're referring to in the film. He always kind of has yeah. that gloomy look on his,
5: right.
3: his plays. yeah. But
5: I got a great picture with him. He was really happy to meet me. And, uh, and what a wonderful guy. Just such a gentle, just deeply intelligent human being. I just mm. had a great talk with him. Great.
3: Jackie, have you been invited to go? And you just mentioned about seeing the other actors. Have you been invited to go to some type of, you know, a Comic-Con or some events like that? Like, yeah, because I would go to the Star Trek conventions. You'd meet Mm -hmm. the actors, they'd sign autographs. You have a chance to chat with them and yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you done those type of uh, events and where have they been?
5: I've probably done maybe 10 of them. I mean, I've been in... I can't even remember. Um, you know, yeah, I honestly, I can't remember I've been at Seattle Crypticon a couple of times, but I've been all over the place. I got to go to the Chicago music box when they showed the restoration of Manos and there was an event there at the same time and my book had just come out. So I traveled around doing some book signings and, uh, this last year, I mean, besides COVID, but I had some other health issues myself and, uh, and all these other projects. So my goal right now is um, I'm preparing for next year. I'm, I'm really ready to hit it. And people have been giving me lists and names. And so uh, I'm getting myself organized. I plan to do a lot of traveling next year. Awesome. awesome, go for it. Yeah. that's gonna be fantastic. So, yeah. well, and the Monos Chronicles will be out too. And, mm. uh, and you know, that's that's set up to be a series. So, once we get this pilot episode out, uh, it, and it's really good, I'm mm. so proud of it. Mm. Um, so you know, we get our funding, we get things going, and I hope we get a whole series.
1: Awesome. Well, so speaking of, uh, you know, I do want to ask about one or two other things that were on your IMDb pa- uh, page uh, that just sounded really interesting, but I couldn't find a lot of information about it. There was one, uh, do rabbits dream of electric cheats from a couple years uh, so ago? I- yeah. What the hell was that? <laughs> that sounds familiar, but I... <laughs> It's an obvious, you know, so it's an obvious play on, on, you know, do Android's dream of electric sheep by, you know, Philip K. Dick. Um, So the, the intro of the, this one, do uh, Rabot's dream of electric cheeps, um, the intro from the IMDb pages. And so pretend I'm doing this in my best movie voice. So in a world where Easter bunnies build a despised underclass of cybernetic chocolate rabbits for forced labor a blade hopper named Periwinkle must quell simmering violence before it ignites into a full-blown revolution. That <laughs> just sounds like something I need to see immediately. Yes.
0: We definitely need to see this.
1: I've, I've heard, heard it. of it. I, I, now i yeah, i got I
5: to see it. <laughs> I love it.
1: Great title. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, chocolate, robots. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm very much into robots and everything robots. <laughs> I just bought some uh, good chocolatey ice cream. Maybe
3: I'll watch that tonight. <laughs> well, in the, in the Manos episode of MST, one of the things they do in the, ex, in the uh, uh, experiment exchange was a guillotine for chopping it's off the true. heads of Chocolate bunny right, yeah. bath. There. So there you go. There's a tie
0: in if you want
1: it's to It's true. In.
0: yeah Yeah, that was just like i like this was i hate to admit this but this is my first experience with with it so i was just like okay wow i was not expecting this (laughs) i've heard so much about i also didn't know that there was like a seemed like a fairly like in-depth story behind why he's doing all of this it's just like okay Mm -hmm. wow i was not expecting that either
5: yeah there's a lot more to it than the script Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, another thing is um, my dad, my parents had gone to Texas Christian University in college, and my dad studied and became a minister. That was his first job. And so, playing the, the cult leader, he did it very much as he would have <laughs> played a, an over the top minister. But the, the speech, his big speech, Oh God, Oh Manos, God of Primal Darkness, that big speech, my dad actually wrote that himself because uh, Hal had him just standing there and walking around imperiously without any dialogue. So my oh, dad goodness. wrote that. So he'd have something to do. And right. many people have said that's the best part of the whole script.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think I wanna ask some some final questions mm-hmm. um, in this, this last segment of our show. Uh, so. Jackie, what advice would you give to seven-year-old Jackie as she was about to play Debbie, knowing what you know now? I know no, no. It's funny. I'm
5: taking online, uh, online acting classes now, learning so much about character development. <laughs> but to a seven-year-old, I would say, um, don't be shy. Just
1: go for it. Yeah, that, that sounds great. Um, so if you could pick one superpower, what would it be?
5: Superpower. Mm-hmm. Oh, I almost said when I had that note. <laughs> it sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, uh, to be able to uh, just disappear <laughs> when, I, when I need some time to myself and not have anybody wonder where the hell I went. That's a good one. Right, I like yeah, that one a that lot. Useful.
1: <laughs> and then my final question is olives, yes or no? Not particularly. That's okay. That That's okay. They're not for everybody.
0: Know. I don't <laughs> agree, but I agree. I
5: understand. My granddaughter, though, she'll open a can and she'll just eat them like
1: popcorn, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep, me and my older son.
4: And by by the way, I just looked up the official trailer for the Manos Chronicles. It does look very interesting. Wow. And Excellent. you look great in it, Jackie. I.
5: You know, I'll tell you something, too. <clears throat> It just blows me away. I said, had some uh, health issues. I actually had uh, some seizures in yeah. October and Ooh. I'm actually recovering amazingly well, but last April I had a silent seizure. They didn't know really what it was. They didn't know oh. what to call it. But then the, I told the neurologist, I was going to Yosemite to film this thing and, Like three weeks and she's like i strongly advise you not to do that i went but it's all about me i mean i'm on 45 pages of a 60 page script Mm. you know so i had to go i mean in my mind and i look at that and i've seen the whole show and i'm i'm just kind of blown away i was so intent on doing this i can't even tell that there was something going on with
4: me oh good now, so
5: I really, really can't, I really can't wait to do more because I'm so much better. And then with these uh, acting classes, I have learned so much. Mm. I can't wait to put it into yeah. real practice. Excellent. Well, good,
4: good luck on that project. Hopefully that is successful and continues the Manos legacy even further down the well, road here. I'm
1: sure it will be. I feel yeah. real good about it. I can't awesome. wait to watch it now. I'm so yeah,
0: excited. I'm excited too. I actually want to go look at the trailer after
5: this.
1: Yep, I'm ready. We're done tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, check out my co-star. I'm like
5: glad I'm too old.
4: <laughs> oh,
5: okay. <laughs> now I'm really interested. Oh, uh, Timothy, he's he's so much fun to hang out with. It's really nice to hang out with somebody that, that looks like that. That's so funny and personal and and. Uh, just feel kind of like a, more like a
1: mom or an yeah,
4: ass. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need
5: any distractions. You know?
1: <laughs> well, everyone, this has been so wonderful. Uh, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us and the crew. Uh, mm-hmm. To our listeners, like we said, we'll include links to where you can learn more about MST3K, watch clips of Manos on YouTube, watch the trailer for the Manos Chronicles, read Debbie's blog, her book, and more. Unfortunately, this is the worst part of the show. This is a time where we need to sign off and get back to our lives. But before we do that, Steve, you're going to let us know what next week's discussion is going to be all about.
3: You know, we've been very lucky. We've had had already two guests. The first one was Tommy Kraft, who, much like Manos, did everything to make his own film, Star Mm -hmm. Trek Horizon. And now we've had yourself, Jackie, and you've told us a story about making Manos the Hands of Faith, the involvement, everything that went through the process. Next week, we're going to be honored by having our guest, the great Doug Drexler. Doug is everything about Star Trek. He has been involved in every one of the TV series, he's been involved in the movies, um, he's involved with the, new, uh, the third season of The Orville. And he is, what I like to say, the coolest guy in science fiction. And it's just an honor to have him next week. So, But this has been truly an enjoyable interview, mm-hmm. Jackie. And you've shared a lot of background about making the the movie and thank you so much for joining us today
1: thank you yes thank you yes thank you very much and thank you everyone for listening remember listeners we would love to hear from you about what you think of our crew and podcast you can email us at big sci-fi podcast at gmail.com You can also visit our Facebook group and join in the conversation in between our episodes. We're building a community of listeners there, of science fiction fans, and having so much fun doing it. So if you're on Facebook, join us there. Be well, be kind, and until next time on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Bye-bye.
4: darkness, thou who dwellest in the
5: depth of the universe in the black chasms of night.